Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. And, and the church said? Amen. Amen. Hello, church family. And I just want to welcome you to, into the building today. It's our second week of being physically open again. Of course, we are still um, uh, doing online services. And I want to welcome those who are watching from all over the world. Pastor Martin that, that, uh, from India and the, and the church, the, the birthday uh, blessing wishes and and the past appreciation, I want to thank you. I want to thank all the church for last week and, and your, your show of love and appreciation. Thank you so much that you've poured out on me and my wife and my family. Thank you especially to Pastor Sean and Miss Shelley. Can we, can we give it up for them? No one ever had uh, stronger right-hand people uh, than those two. And of course, Pastor Steve and Miss Lena as well, and we're praying for Miss Lena, um, uh, God's full blessing and recovery, and so God is moving in this place, amen? God is here, and if you missed last week's message, it was called Haunted, Facing Our Fears, the pastor edition, it is worth going back and listening to, and so let's go ahead and define the terms. Fear, fear is an unpleasant feeling of anxiety or apprehension caused by the presence or anticipation of danger, and it could be real danger or perceived. And I think Pastor Sean established last week in his informal poll that when he had everyone kind of raise their hands, that everyone seems to be afraid of something. I don't know of anyone that's innocuous totally of all fears. And some of those fears are, we're quite in tune with, like my wife's flying, and, or, or we talked about last week the fear of failure that a lot of pastors tend to have because we just want to see the work of the Lord accomplished. We want to see people in the kingdom. And sometimes that's the plague. Lord, are we doing enough? Are we doing what you, all of what you call us to do? Of course, there's natural ones like spiders and snakes and heights and all that stuff. But some of them, some of them you don't know you have until you're like in the middle of it. Come on, somebody. Like, like, like a sudden loss of a job, and all of a sudden you're, you're hit with all these anxieties as, as to what you're going to do. An unexpected illness or the, the fear of, of dying. COVID has brought out a lot of fears. Folks, one of the reasons why we shut down for two months was, guess what? Your pastor at a prayer meeting, a pastor prayer meeting, contracted COVID. And... When we found out, my wife and I, <clears throat> and we started watching, and this was back in July. Don't worry, I've gotten two negatives since then. But back in July, one of the first things that I tested positive, she tested negative. And I said, okay, you're going to have to leave the house. You're going to have to see you tested negative too. She said, but I don't want to. She's a good wife. She didn't want to leave me. I said, listen, you're going to have to leave. And so as I was, went to my room and went to quarantine, guess what started going through my mind? what they've been saying over the last several months. Person of color, underlying issues, over 50. What have they been saying? You're pretty much doomed. And so I'm sitting in my bedroom there for a moment, and all of a sudden, 
here comes old the devil, and he starts whispering in my ears, and I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I had to wrestle. I said, Lord, at a pastor prayer meeting, really? Is this how I'm going out? Is this how I'm going to be going out? You know? Fortunately for me, there was actually, you know, one week passed, two weeks passed. I think I lost my sense of smell, and that was about it, and I was grateful for that. There were some sec secondary issues after it cleared up that the enemy tried, but that's a big one, that, that, that uh, fear of dying. That's a big one for a lot of people. Come on, somebody. So whether these fears are rational or a product of some long-buried trauma in our lives that can, that can vary from person to person, whatever the root cause is, many people all over the world, they experience the same fears for various reasons. In fact, year to year, the exact percentages can fluctuate, but what people are afraid of are really does. I mean, pretty much, again, Pastor Sean covered it. The top 10 things going from 10 to 1, thunder and lightning, right? A lot of people are afraid of that. <clears throat> um, dogs, lots of, lots of fear. When, in fact, whenever I, a lot of times if I go out on a walk, I take a stick with me because I don't want a dog running out and, you know, biting me. <clears throat> fear of flying, that's, we, we established my wife's, that's, that's one of her challenges. And she says, it's not the fear of flying that gets her. She says, it's, it's, the, it's the fear of the plane falling from the sky. That's, that's, that's what actually gets her. Mice. Some of you said you're afraid of mice. Although, isn't it ironic that the most beloved character of all time, times is Mickey Mouse? Right? That big old huge mouse. But you shrink him down to about that size. The ladies especially, and some of the fellas too, they go running <laughs> If a mouse came crawling through this church today, it would empty the pews. Come on, come on, wouldn't it? You wouldn't care what Pastor Rick had to say. There's the fear of needles. I saw that firsthand when I was in the Air Force. Big, strong guys as we're going through the line, they're giving you inoculations. And just when the big old strapping guy, when, he, when they went to give him his, he passed right out. Just, I mean, dude, dude, you're supposed to defend the nation, and you can't even stand up against a needle. Of course, there's this fear of spiders, uh, insects. That's a no-brainer to me, especially if they're big. Enclosed spaces. Where, where's Miss Maria? Where's Miss Maria? She's, Maria's in the house, and she's, she, she can't do elevators. She will walk up 20 flights of stairs. 20 flights. That's why she's so thin. Yes, if she has to go, if she has to get in the elevator, she's taking, where's the stairs? I'm like, you, you, you can't go in the elevator for 30 seconds? No. And so I can't imagine MRIs. Come on, somebody. They have the open ones, but what about the closed ones? Where it feels like you're in a casket. That freaks some people out. I'm not going to say it's me, but I'm just saying. Of course, there's a fear of heights, public speaking. Some people, they just totally get wigged out with the public speaking. And of course, the number one one from all... Universally, believe it or not, it's a fear of snakes. That's Indiana Jones's one, right? But I don't. I think th that it's not by surprise that that one is up there at the top when the Bible makes reference to Satan as being the great serpent. Come on, somebody. And I think he's behind a lot of these fears that we that we deal with. I personally think that at the root of most of these fears probably is the fear of injury or the fear of possible death. Fortunately for all of us, how do you know that Jesus tackled all these fears head on, right? Especially that one. When he conquered death in the grave, 
for all time with the resurrection. He took the keys of death and hell, and he says, victory is not mine. Amen? And he says we don't have to fear death any longer. Can I get an amen? Amen? Amen. amen. So today in the series, we are calling it Haunted. We're continuing it. We're facing our fears. And I'm reminded of one of the most famous quotes uh, by FDR in his first inaugural address as he took the presidency. He said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Franklin D. Roosevelt. Now, he said that in a speech in 1932 during a presidential election uh, during the height of the Great Depression. And the Great Depression, this is what he said. He said, I am certain that my fellow Americans expect that my induction into the presidency, I will address them with a candor and a decision which the present situation of our people impel. This preeminently, the, the, this is preeminently the time to speak the truth, the whole truth, frankly and boldly. Nor need we shrink from honestly facing conditions in our country today. This great nation will endure as it has endured and will, re, will revive and will prosper. And this is when he said it. He said, so first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear, what does he say? Is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert, retreat into advance. He went on to say, in such, in such a spirit in my part and on yours, <clears throat> we face our common difficulties. They concern Thank God, only material things, values have shrunk to fantastic levels, taxes haven't risen, our ability to pay has fallen, government of all kinds is faced by serious curtailment of income, the means of exchange are frozen in the currents of trade, the withered leaves of industrial enterprise lie on every side, farmers find no markets for their produce, the savings of many years uh, in thousands of families are gone, this is what was going on, more important, a host of unemployed Citizens face the grim problem of existence and an equally great number of toil with little return, and only a foolish optimist can deny the, the, the dark realities of this moment. And in, and in this dedication of a nation, this is what he does. He ends it with a prayer. He says, we humbly ask the blessing of God. May he protect each and every one of us. May he guide me in the days to come. Amen. And so literally in the face of one of the darkest moments in the history of our country, and we're facing another dark one right about now, come on. There's not been a year like this in my lifetime. How about yours? Okay. FDR led the nation to steer fear right in the face and to courageously move forward. In fact, great men and women throughout history have understood what courage actually means. Uh, Nelson Mandela said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who does what? Who conquers that fear. Courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. John Wayne. And then a fellow by the name of Eddie Rickenbacker, who was, in 18, he was born in 1890, died July 27, 1973, he was the American fighter ace in World War I, World War I Medal of Honor recipient with 26 aerial victories. He was, a, he was America's most successful fighter ace at the time. This is what he said. Courage is doing what you're afraid to do. There can be no courage unless you are scared. So it's saddling up 
and it's moving against it in spite of what the enemy is saying. So today we're talking about facing our fears, and, and, but before we jump into the biblical solutions as to what we need to do, we need to kind of identify what they are. Sometimes you've got to look at the, uh, what that thing is that's trying to intimidate you. When, when David uh, went against Goliath, he faced his, his giant. And so I want you right now just mentally or right down somewhere, put your fear down. What if blank, blank happens? What if that happens? Because I want you to focus on what your thing is. For some of you, it's a financial situation. If you lose your job, for some of you, it's an illness that you're struggling with. For some of you, it's, <clears throat> I don't know, it's family planning issues. But whatever it is, it's, it's your marriage. It's oppressing a, 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 a anxiety that you're dealing with. Some of you, it's your kids. But I want you to write it down. And I want you to keep that in mind as we try to figure out how to get to a point where we master our fears instead of our fears mastering us. Can, can we do that? Amen? And so our text this morning is none other than Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 2. And this is what it says. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. And so understand what's going on. We're in a period of time in the Jewish history where one of the greatest leaders, uh, probably uh, superhero status, Moses, who's been leading his people all this time, he has died. And the second in command is Joshua, and he's about to take over control uh, uh, and trying to step into these boots. Now, Moses, Moses had a staff. Remember when we talked about that? When he dropped that staff to the ground, it turned into a snake, ate up all the other snakes. Moses had a staff that when he raised it up, uh, uh, when they were caught between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea, that, that sea parted. When he struck a rock when they were thirsty, the Bible says water came out. Moses led one to two million Jews in the wilderness and through whom God provided bread cakes from heaven. And if they got tired of eating that manner, he said, okay, God, can you send some quail? And God sent some meat. Moses, to, to make it easier to follow God, God gave him a, a cloud by day. Come on, somebody. And then he said, well, what about nighttime? And he gave him a pillar of fire by night. And so Moses had, Joshua had some big shoes to walk in by way of Moses. And, and he had now to, he was commanded to lead, lead two million Jews across the river into a land filled with his enemies. Now, could you imagine the concern that he had? Come on, somebody. Could you imagine that? I mean, does he get a fancy staff? Does he get maybe a, a, a multicolored cloak or something? Anything. What, what, what does he get? Well, in Joshua 1, chapter 3, it tells us what he got. He says, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful. Listen, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. 
Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Anybody want to be prosperous and successful? Come on, somebody. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I love that. And so what did, what did Joshua get? Joshua got a promise. Amen? And so someone said the Bible uses the term fear not or, or, or do not be afraid some 365 times. How many of you know that's one for every day of the week? Amen? I mean, one for every day of the week. 365 times, whatever you're facing, the Spirit of the Lord is telling you, fear not. Fear not. Fear not. For I am with you. Amen? And he's asking us to take our stand on his promise. Now, why did God say that? Well, because he knew that fear was an issue. Fear is an issue for a lot of people. And when you're caught up in fear, it absolutely paralyzes your forward progress. It makes you not want to move forward. In fact, this is the truth. 80% or higher of the things we fear, you've heard this before, don't ever happen. Don't ever happen. Even with this coronavirus, they had originally said one to two million people, possibly then. It's at 200,000, and they're hyping that. There have been, there have been 300,000 overdoses last year. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have 325 million people. And so a lot of people are reacting not with what's going to happen, but what, what, what might happen. And they're being paralyzed by fear. It's like the, the, the we got to get to that place where, where we, when that fear comes our way, we learn how to shake it off. You remember that story in the book of Acts where, where uh, the Apostle Paul was uh, shipwrecked on the Isle of Maltus? And out came a viper and bit him. And everybody looked around and said, look, you know, he must have done something wicked because he was saved from the shipwreck. But, you know, the gods are not going to allow him to live because that viper takes people out. They're waiting for him to, to swell up and, and to fall down and die. That's how quick that poison worked. But that thing gripped on him. And what did he do? He shook it off. Come on, somebody. Say he shook it off. He just shook it off. Come on, somebody. Folks, we got to get to that place where we learn how to shake it off. We got to get to that place where we learn how to shake off the enemy's attacks and his, and his snake bites and, and, and just keep going and moving on in the things of the Lord. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? But of power and of love and a sound mind. And a sound mind. And if we're going to be successful in dealing with these anxiety-producing situations that we're going, to, going through because we live in a fallen world and there's a battle going on all around us, and the Apostle Paul told us we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities and ruling spirits in high places. So he says, armor up, put on the full armor of God and then take your stand. If we're going to get to that place where we have victory and we successfully deal with those situations, we're going to take our clues from the Bible. And we have to get to that place where we focus on him and shake off the devil's attacks in our lives. So clue number one, I want you to write this down. Obedience will always precede God's blessings. Doing what he says will always precede the blessing that follows. 
Now let me read verse 6 through 8 again uh, for you, just to remind you in Joshua. It says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. And what does he tell them to do? Be careful, read it out with me, to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful in what you do. Do not let the book of the Lord depart from your mouth to meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be able to prosper and be successful. When we're obedient to what God says, when we, when we decide that we're going to do things God's way, God blesses it. This ha- uh, did this happen with Joshua? Well, we know it did. Joshua 5, verse 12. When it came time to move, and all this time for years, God was uh, feeding them supernaturally with the, the bread from heaven. But when it was time to move, guess what happened? All of that stopped. And so if anybody wanted to stay in the desert, he said, you're going to stay in the desert, you're going to fend for yourself. But if you're going to come with me, I'm moving forward. I'm going across this Jordan, and we're going to take the land. We're going to take the promises. Now, when you go take the land and take the promises, there will be obstacles. But I am with you. And so the manna stopped. The day after they ate this food from the land, there was no longer any manna from the Israelites. But that year, they ate the produce of Canaan. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Watch this. And Joshua went up to him and he asked, are you for us or are you for our enemies? I love this response because everybody's looking for, you know, everyone's pulling sides these days, okay? But this is what the response was. He says, neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence, and he asked him, Well, what message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, Take your sandals, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did just that. And then, then, then he gave him the instructions. So someone needs to hear this this morning, because, because a lot of times we think that the secret to tackling difficulties in our lives those things that are coming up against us, is just simply getting God on our side. If we can just get God on our side, then everything's going to work out. And our prayers go something like this. Lord, bless, bless, bless my plans. Bless this way that I'm going. Bless what I'm doing. Friends, listen. Listen to me real close. The question isn't, is God on my side? The question is, are we on God's side? Come on, someone. I need someone to wake up. Look at me. It's not, is God on my side? The question is, are we on his side? Are we trying to work out his plan and his agenda? Are we following hard after his word? Joshua, you can try to do things your way, and there's probably a million possibilities in which You can come up and strategize, but I want you to know, Joshua, I have a plan, and I have a plan that I'm giving to you. And can you imagine when he gave him the plan, and he took that plan back to his people, to his leaders, and to his military leaders? Okay, what did God say? Well, God said that we're going to march around the city seven times, and we're going to pull out the band members first, and then there's going to be a shout, and then at the seventh time, the walls are going to come down. Can you imagine him taking that plan back? to his people, 
and how it sounded to them. But the truth is we always think we have a better plan than God, and the truth is we don't. And we rationalize to think, he said, well, well, I said this prayer, so he must be on my side. But is he? And does he? Think about it. Now, later on in, in the history of the Israelites, there's a story that's being told. The Israelites went out to fight against the Philistines this time. And it says 4,000 of their men died in battle. And, and they were trying to figure out why God let them fail. And so they determined that they needed the Ark of the Covenant. The reason it didn't work is we, we didn't bring the Ark with us this time. The Ark was, uh, was, was a symbol of the presence of God for the Israelites. And so this time they're going into battle with the Ark of the Covenant. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 10. So the Philistines fought and the Israelites were, help me somebody, defeated. And every man fled to his tent. And the slaughter was very great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. Come on, somebody. I mean, are you having a bad day? Could you imagine the day they were having? We're not talking about a broken down sink or a washing machine here. I mean, they literally went to war, and they're thinking that what they were planning to do was going to work. And when they went up against their enemies, 30,000 of them died. And the Ark of the Covenant, which they put all their bed on, the Ark of the Covenant was captured. And Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they died. Eli was the, was the high priest. And that incident was followed by another, listen, 30 years of silence. God said nothing to them. So my question is, what was the problem? Well, they followed all their own preconceived formulas to try to get God to bless them, and it didn't work. He, wouldn't, he wasn't going to bless them. Why? Because the plan that they had wasn't his plan. It's not, is God for me? The question is, are you for God? Come on, somebody. It wasn't his plan. And we do the same thing. And when we do the same thing and we come up with our own method or, you know, whatever we're doing, we're like, and then God is just as silent. You know, where's God? Pastor Rick, I'm having trouble hearing from God. And then we say, you know, you know, God, what about my finances? And then it's like the Lord saying, well, wait a second. You've never given me your finances. I was getting quiet in here. So what, 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 what about my job? Well, I've never been involved with your job. What about this relationship? You, you mean your latest hookup? Thank God he's a merciful God. Come on, somebody. Thank God for his grace. But let me tell you something. God is not obligated to bless our messes. He's not. And he probably won't. In other words, if you want him to bless you, we've got to get to a place where we can figure out what his plan is and start working his plan. Didn't Jesus say something like that in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21? I want you to listen real close. I know it's Jesus talking because it's in red in my Bible. The red letter edition, right? This is what it says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name or in your name drive out demons or perform any miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And then he gives us this illustration. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it, it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand and the rain came down and the winds rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. And so Jesus gives us an illustration of two sets of people, and he calls one wise and he calls one foolish. And the same set of circumstances happens for both of them. Both of them had the winds come and the winds blow and the, wind and, 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 and the waters rise and blow against their house, but one fell with a crash and one stood the test of time. And the difference between the one who stood and the ones who didn't was the one who took the words of Jesus, words of God, and put them into practice. That became a foundation. They didn't let Jesus' words go in one ear and out the other as it relates to their marriage. Come on, somebody. Or as it relates to their finances or their daily living and the choices that they make. Or as to who Jesus is at all. And so obedience to his word is the first key to overcoming our fears in our lives. And, that's, and that obedience is not based on feelings because so many of us are caught up in our emotions. If we feel like doing it today, if I feel like reading, if I feel like coming to church, if I feel like it, obedience has nothing to do with feelings. Okay? I want you to write this down. Strength and courage come from the choices we make more than the feelings we have. I'll say it again. Strength and courage come from the choices we make more than the feelings we have. And you do it by faith. You guys still with me? And so with that, when we do things by faith and we just act on it, regardless of the feelings that we're having, the anxieties or the fears or the insecurities that are coming. <laughs> it anchors us in that, sh in that firm place, that, that place on, on the rock that Jesus was speaking about. And we get three blessings. Number one, we get, write this down, we get his presence. John 14, 23, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. So if you obey his teaching, he says, you're going to, not only will you get Jesus, but you will get the presence of the Father in your life as well. And he will not just visit you, but he will make his home with you. <laughs> he will be with you. And if God is for you, the Bible makes it clear, who can stand against us? Amen? And so we stay in faith with God regardless of what's going on around us. And we move forward in courage regardless of how we feel, trusting that God has given us the victory through his son, Jesus Christ. And we hold on to him like you're holding on to the winning lottery ticket. Come on, somebody. 
or you're holding on to the last parachute of a plane that's going down. I am not letting go of Jesus for nothing. I don't care what's going on around me. I'm holding on. And I'm standing in faith and trusting that the love of my soul is going to take me through whatever this is I'm dealing with. That's what Paul meant when he said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, what did he say? Say, say it out loud with me. I live by faith. in who? In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Look at what he said. He says he's been crucified. He, he, he's not even identifying him in his own life anymore. He says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. That means not, he was alive, but his, he was dead to his own desires, his own path, his own plans. He says, I am done with my own agenda. I'm dead to that. And the life I now live, he says, I, 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 but, but, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My friends, faith is a key. And that's why the enemy's constantly attacking it. That's why he's constantly sowing doubt. That's why he's constantly trying to come between you and your God in terms of whatever's going on in your life. That's why Jesus sometimes will turn around and tell, tell his disciples, when these situations, these storms were coming to their life, he would turn and say, and they'd freak out. He would say, oh, ye of little faith. Ye of little faith. And so if faith is the key, how do we increase our faith? Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. That means I, need, I should spend a little bit time, more time. If I want to increase my faith against the attacks of the enemies and the snake bites that are coming, I'm going to fill my spirit with the word of God. The word of God that says I am more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ, my Lord. The, the, the word of God that says I am loved and he, because he first loved me. Come on, somebody. The word of God that says perfect love casts out all fear and I'm perfectly loved by the Father. Amen. Regardless of what I'm feeling, regardless of what I'm, I'm going through, I'm going to take my stand in what the Word of God says, and that Word is going to anchor me so when the winds come and the rains blow and the things push against me and my house and my family, it, it, nothing's going to happen because my, I'm on a sure foundation of His Word. Oh, come on, anybody listening to me today? And so we get His presence, and then we get His provision. Write that down. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, and this is what he provides. Listen, listen, listen. I love this. He says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, this is what you have. Never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. You know what never means in the Hebrew and the Greek? Never. Never. What situation? Is God going to leave you? What if you screw up? What if you mess up? Pastor Rick, certainly if I mess up, God's going to leave me. Does never mean never? Never means never. God's in it for the long haul. He called you his own. <laughs> you know? He says when sin abounds, grace even more abounds. And so never means never. 
He says, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, say it out loud with me. The Lord is my helper. What does it say? Oh, I need somebody to say it like they mean it. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And so what does he provide? He provides himself. And if you got God, you've got all you need because he's holding all the provisions. And then lastly comes that huge promise concerning the biggest fear of all or against that, which is the fear of death. And Jesus said that to his disciples. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And so what is Jesus talking about? He's talking about the promise of eternal life, the fact that he has conquered death in the grave and that where he's going, he says, listen, I'm not going to leave you off in this. None none of us are going to be here forever, but when it comes time for us to go home, he says, you are coming with me because I've gone to prepare a place for you. Luke 12, verse 4. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I, I will show you whom you should fear. And this is a reverential fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has the authority to throw you into hell. Who, who's the only one that has that authority? Only God. Only God. So why be afraid of anybody else? He says, if you're going to fear anyone, you, you, or, or be concerned about anyone, be concerned about that. He said, fear him who, who after the body has been killed has the authority to throw you in hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God? Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus speaking. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man, will also acknowledge before the angels of God. So that's where you put your faith in. He says, if you, if you are not ashamed of me here, I won't be ashamed of you before the Father. So if you publicly acknowledge me here, and that's the work, by the way, that he asks us is to believe in the one that God sent, to put your trust completely in Jesus, put your faith completely in him, the one who fought the battles for us and won the battles for us. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of, of God. And so we need to put our faith in Christ. The promise of heaven goes to all, goes out to all of those who trust Jesus as their Savior and their Lord. And while we're still here, you know what he's looking for? He's looking for committed soldiers who are willing to take a stand in faith against the schemes of the enemy, including fear, in order to build his kingdom and not just their own. Does that make sense? My question to you this morning is, is that you? Is that me? Are we willing to say, here I am, Lord, for such a time as now? Help me to take my stand securely on your words in faith and stand with you. Well, if that's you, I want you to 
stand up right now. And whoever's listening to me, because we're going to make some declarations right now in dealing with these fears and, and trusting what God is going to do in our lives so that, these, so that we can shake off the enemy's uh, scheme. Stand up. Stand up with me right now. And I want everyone to read this out loud with me. Romans 8.14. Go. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Come on. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are who? We are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings and in order that we may also share in his glory. Stay standing. 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. What does it say? But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. He started the love feast. Amen. And then lastly, I want just to remind you, we talked about this one already, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Say that with me. For God has not given me a spirit of fear. Say it. But of power and love and a sound mind. But all of that finds its root first in Jesus. You've got to put your faith and trust in him. You've got to surrender your life to him. And so if you've not yet done that, this is going to be my privilege and my honor, just to lead you in a prayer of submission and surrender completely to him. Let's do that right now. Say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the blessings that you've provided and even the conditions that you've called me to take my stand against the schemes of the enemy right now Lord I surrender my life to you I ask you to forgive me of my sins that come into my life that come into my heart to make me a brand new person in you fill me with your Holy Spirit with your power with your love with your grace fill me to overflowing in Jesus' name. And while you're standing and while you're in an attitude of prayer, if there is a stronghold of fear that's troubling you right now, in Jesus' name, turn that over to him. Say, Lord, I face this fear, whatever it is. I bind it up in Jesus' name. I pull it down. Father, help me to, to, to shake off Shake it off. Matter of fact, just by faith, just start shaking that off. Whether it's a financial something happening or, or a spiritual attack or something physical going in your body by faith, Lord, we shake that thing off and we put our complete trust in you, Jesus. I put my trust in you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Father, help me to stay focused even against these these onslaughts and help us to put on the full armor of God to take our stand for such a time as this 
so that we might be used. And Lord, help us to get out of the what's in it for me and help us to get into let's get on your agenda. You said neither. It's not if you are for us, it's if we are for you. And you are indeed for us, but you want us to do it your way. So give us a strategy in dealing with all these onslaughts. Give us a strategy in, in working in our families. But let us find that place of peace underneath your wings trust to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.